MX Network Production. Pope MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pope MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PulpMX at BTOsports.com and click the Amazon banner on PulpMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. This is... The Washougal wrap-up, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Washougal National has come and gone, and uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. BTOsports.com. Use the code PulpMX when you're checking out. Save yourself money that way. The BTOsports.com team of uh, Brayton and Short are back at the races right now. And uh, great guys. International shipping is good. And uh, new website, mobile phone friendly. OEM parts also, btosports.com has it, people. And Fox Racing continuing the relentless pursuit to innovate and elevate. Foxhead.com, visit your local authorized Fox dealer. Go check out Fox. Kenny Roxon wears Fox. Ryan Dungey wears Fox. Jesse Wentland wears Fox. Lots of guys wear Fox. So check them out. Thanks for listening. Uh, like I said, Washugo wrap up. First up on the line, speaking of Fox, he is out hawking the competitor uh, to Fox out across America, 2016 gear of fly racing. The Jason Thomas. I'm out here. I mean, uh, I feel like every time I talk to you, I'm in a different state. But wow. um, yeah, you, you you feel like Another that, day. but it's actually true. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's why I feel like that. Right. Um, yeah. And also on the line, he is um, privateer hero, injured right now, calling the action uh, in the pit lane and around the track at the nationals. He is top Jimmy Albertson. What's up, Jimmy? Oh, nothing much. Still on my day with your guys' great presence. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I said, you know, can you do this podcast? And you're like, sure. And I'm thinking, he has nothing going on right now. <laughs> nothing going on. Yeah, I know. It's usually just on and off on the ice machine, and then gym once a day to upper body if I can, and then that's basically it. Nothing else. <laughs> you it's were completely straight boredom. You were coming back for hopefully the end of this nationals, but this this recent injuries yeah. put the kibosh on that. Too bad. Too bad yeah, for Jimmy. Sucks, I mean, at the end of the day, like I really wasn't going to be ready for properly ready for Indiana, anyways. Like I wanted to be. Yeah. I, mean, I would have been probably more ready than I ever was last year when I was racing that international. It's all right. Well, I, it wouldn't have taken much for you to improve on last year's national rides, Jimmy. <laughs> no, that's what I was. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Um. You play fire, I guess you get burned every now and then, right? Right. Right. Um. Hey. Okay. So Washugal. That practice and that first moto, uh, Jimmy, worse than Buds? Better than Buds? What do you think? Practice was practice didn't look that bad. I mean, there's parts of practice that were crappy, sure, but um, practice as a whole, I thought was pretty decent. It was whenever there was downtime on the track and there was no bikes circulating on it, and it just that slight drizzle just came down, and then it started right before the moto started, it started actually rain, mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, I don't think it was as bad as, as, definitely not as bad as the second 450 moto at Buzz Creek, that's for sure, Right. but it was pretty bad, because it was, instead of being, you know, there was still 
there's sand in Bud's Creek dirt, so mm-hmm. not that big of a deal. If it rains, you still kind of get a little bit of traction. When it's muddy like it is, that first 50 moto is like snot on the track. Like the whoop section before the finish line mm-hmm. um, was just complete. Like they were like, you know, looking for a pro motocross on ice, is yeah. what I like to call it. Yeah. The, uh, you know, Jimmy, I'm a goggle guy, as you know. Uh, it's the absolute worst conditions for trying to keep your goggles on. Uh, that mist, that light mist and then sticky mud was, uh, was a challenge for everybody out there. And uh, it's tough, man. That's the worst conditions for, for these guys. And it's, a, it's an age-old question of uh, pulling in and getting new ones, keeping going. Uh, what do you do, right? Like, that's, that's half the battle out there. Yeah, I think if it's before halfway, then you just pull in and get new goggles. Um, if you're no goggles and getting blasted. But, man, if you got freaking seven minutes left in the race or you're getting down that close, just grit it out because you're not going to be able to make those positions up that you're going to lose. So mm-hmm. that was my whole, whole thing was I actually had a privateer rider ask me, oh, what did I do? And I'm like, well, and I kind of gave him the same advice I'm saying right now. If you got... 15 minutes left in the race, just freaking grit it out as long as you're not just getting blasted in the eyeballs. I think it's good enough just to run the no-goggle technique. Right. JT, um, Barsha has 10 whole shots and 18 motos, and I think six in a row, or at least five out of the last six, or maybe seven out of the last eight. If you're Dungey and you come around and you see that guy, it's got to be getting a little frustrating for him. I mean, he's been good. Ryan's been good off the starts, but this Barsha kid, he's got these things down, and these Yamahas are great. Yeah, I think it, uh, you know, early on in this whole deal, I don't think he really cared because he's like, oh, yeah, Barsha, you know, no big deal. I'll catch him fast. I've got, I've got him covered. You know, really is, I think, how he viewed it. Mm-hmm. I don't really think he even cared. But as it's evolved in the last few weeks, I think that's that's changing. Uh, you know, the first moto, obviously, I mean, he grabbed the start and just was gone. You know, like he had like an 18-second lead or something at one point, I think. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, as, as Barsha has become more and more capable of winning, uh, I think that's changing Dungey's mindset and he's got to take, you know, obviously he's taking Barsha very seriously at this point because he damn near went one, one this weekend. Yeah. Jimmy, and how damn near let every lap. Yeah. Just about, he almost had like a perfect Marvin day. Like Marvin did last year at Washougal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy, how about when Barsha got up after the fall in the second moto? Oh. <laughs> I was pulling my hair out. I'm like, there, there's no going to be, there's, this was, I thought that was going to be Justin Barsha's last moto. <laughs> he was going for it and it was so slippery and you could just tell like he was just chicken winging it straight from off the gas to on the gas, rear tire out all over the place. I mean, just bucked down the hills. I think I, at one point Lurch, uh, Lurch made a comment that that, that rear end's dance bucking around more than Sugarfoot at the Bron- at the <laughs> at the state <laughs> county fair or something like that. You know, we were we were making fun of it quite a bit because, I mean, dude, those two laughs. I was just thinking in my head, like somebody please tell him just to pack it in for the day and take <laughs> second. But um, he finally did. Like he made one last big mistake, looked behind, and then you saw him look behind him, and it was just like you could tell that uh. that was it. He was done and you know thank god for that because i think he could have maybe lasted another half lap and making all those mistakes like he was that was full bam bam right there <laughs> full, full that was that was bam bam of old and that's what i kind of i mentioned on the microphone um on a pa is like you know if this was three or shoot even two years ago justin barcia we would have seen him on the ground but mm-hmm. i think he's getting to the point 
you start to mature a little bit and realize that, hey, you know, live to fight another weekend. Right. JT, you know how I always like to say balls on the handlebars? You know, unzip the pants. Oh, yeah. That was balls on the handlebars. <laughs> right that was like it was. balls on the tip of the front fender. That was half <laughs> of the handlebars. Balls out, bro, from Bam Bam. Yeah, he was uh, – and you know how, how frustrated he had to be. You know, he yeah. almost – he put in such a damn solid day. And just one stupid little, you know, loss of concentration because I think he felt like he had it wrapped up and just took his eye off the ball for one second. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole, you know, unfortunately the whole day kind (laughs) of went down the drain. You know, obviously second overall is nothing. Yeah, yeah. It just needs that. But for as dominant as he was for the day, I mean, he could have had it. You know, he could have had it wrapped. Yeah, uh, definitely the most low-speed part of the track, too. Yeah, like what do you think happened there, JT, in that crash? Just kind of got into uh, He just got off balance. Yeah, he, yeah. you know, the, he kind of, uh, I think he caught traction a little bit when he wasn't expecting it. Just lost control of the front end. And mm-hmm. I think he slid back on the bike a little bit when he needed to be really far forward in that section. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a dumb, you know, stupid little elementary crash that, you know, if he's, if he's full concentration, would never happen. I just think he was, you know, had yeah. lost concentration for one second, and that's what happened. Jimmy, uh, six motos left. Uh, Barsha's tied with Roxon. No reason not to think Barsha passes Roxon in the points and maybe out of the six motos gets two or three more, right? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, Barsha's going to be good at Dilla. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, shoot, he almost beat Dungy there a few years back when he filled in for Factory Honda. I think, he, yeah, I know, he got taken out. They, they collide, yeah. slide together in there. But, you know, he rides good up there. He's got a good fan base up there, so you know he's going to be extra, like, hyped to go in there and and make some noise. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, becoming more and more of a Justin Barsha fan every day. Just, he's, I mean, I don't know if you guys have really talked to him much more in the pits, but he's kind of starting to change just basically as a human being, too, as well, you know. Kind of a little more chilled out. Just seems to be really enjoying himself at the races, hanging out, talking to people. and Yeah, Jimmy, you know, you know why he's changed? You know why he's changing? Because he's like actually that. winning. He's winning and doing well. That's no, all. no, even before he was winning, he no, was good, man. No, even, he even was, when he was – no, seriously. No. I'm, I'm not joking because I go over there and talk to Phil and, and those guys, and he was really cool, you know, really down to earth and, you know, mm-hmm. everything was going good. Even when he was – even after the first round when he wasn't doing so – you know, wasn't doing so hot. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I totally disagree on that statement. And I, I do uh, – shoot, I'm the first person to tell you – you know, and a lot of people when they when they start winning, it's the opposite way. They'll they'll start being a little more of an asshole, not not taking the time for you. So I don't know. I think I think he's kind of turning over a new leaf, and I think it's good that you know it's good for the Yamaha guys too. I mean, shit, how long has JGR been in this, spending boatloads of money and not coming away with guys who can consistently win races? I mean, they even had Stewart at one point. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Uh, well, maybe it's just me then, Jimmy. Maybe it's just him with me. But, well, no, uh, I mean, nobody really likes you. They just have to put up with you. Yeah, that's a good point. You're right, absolutely. So, maybe um, he's just being real with you. Yeah, yeah, good point. J- JT, uh, Fly Racing Zone, Christophe Porcel, uh, putting it on the podium. Um, that fact that he rode great at Washougal in the mud and, and the throttle control, slippery Washougal track wasn't really a big surprise, but it does seem like he... If he gets a start, he goes, okay, let's do this. Lately, anyways. If he doesn't get the start, Kristoff's like, okay, let's just do this and finish where I can. Right? I mean, it does. Like, when's the last time yeah, you were, I when, agree. When's the last time you were like, man, Purcell, he got a bad start, but boy, did he rip through the pack. He kind of doesn't do that too much. But in this race, 
It was great, third overall. No, he did awesome, and I, and we've seen that pattern from him all year. And I don't know if it's a situation where he doesn't want to put himself in harm's way, mm-hmm. you know, trying to pass all these guys, or I don't know. That that would be my opinion is that I think he just doesn't want to take excess risk and to basically pass up through guys like that. You're going to have to kind of take some chances. So yeah, uh, I just think he's more of a guy like Olesi in that aspect, where he's very very good at riding with a good start, but not necessarily um, doesn't necessarily excel at kind of moving up. Yeah. Jimmy, uh, big news this weekend. Your buddy Trey Kennard uh, came back. Kind of, I mean, it was muddy and shitty, so there is that. And he fell, I think, both motos. But I did have him before the race doing better than he did. Uh, what's your take on his comeback and, uh, and all that? What do you think, Jimmy? I mean, I honestly, I talked to Trey. I text, was texting Trey a little bit last night, but... Um, you know, in my mind, he was really on point and looked like he was shoot maybe even battle for the win that first auto before he he slid out over the, where you know where he busted himself up a few years back. So I think that I don't know, it was just like one of those things that all it took is that one mistake to realize okay these conditions are really like sketchy, mm-hmm. and this is my first race back and kind of realization hit and maybe it might have knocked his confidence down a little bit as far as like being able to go for it. Mm-hmm. And that's going to come back with time racing. I mean, you know how it is. You got on a practice track, and the lines don't change. Everything stays the same. So you're able to just like hit lap after lap, same same lines, same everything's consistent. Mm-hmm. And when you get out there on a racetrack, everything's constantly changing. You know, you got to be on your toes. Everything's you know going really fast. And I think that it just kind of all caught up with them. And that's something that it's your first race back. You know, what do you expect? especially on a race track like that. I think if it would have been a dry wash Google, we would have seen a different story. But, um, you know, I definitely, it was kind of weird because it was the first time that I've ever seen Trey kind of take a step back and be like, all right, I'm, right. I'm going to play it smart this time. And he's not like that, trust me. Like, he, you know how it is. Yeah. You guys have all he's... seen it over the years. He gets on the bike and it's, you know, yeah, he's not scared. Baby. He just said, hold it wide open, you know. Right. He just straight up goes for it. So it was good to see him kind of take some caution and realize that, you know, he's just getting back. JT, what would you make on his return? Uh, I was impressed. I mean, you know, he was, uh, I believe, second in both practices, which was awesome to see. And then, um, yeah, I kind of agree with Jimmy. I think, uh, I think, too, you know, he's been out for a while, and it's his first outdoor, and all these guys are – they're, you know, maybe a little bit more ready for race conditions and, and 35 minutes twice. Um, but I'm, I'm more interested to see what he does at Unadilla because last year was kind of the beginning of the, the run he went on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he's, you know, he obviously, I don't want to say learned a lot because he's been out there, you know, for a while, but he kind of got a seat wet, got, you know, the feel of it again. He's going to get a weekend off to, to ride and, and prepare even more. And then I'm really interested to see where this goes because, you know, he got on this run last year where he won like four out of six motos, and this mm-hmm. was, Unadilla was the kickoff for it. So well, are we going to see that again? Because I think the door's open. You know, I don't think that, uh, I don't think Dungey and Barsha are that dominant right now to where Trey can't get in there and win right away. Right. Um, yeah, to be fair, too, he really didn't have much better of a Washougal last year than he did this year. Right. Um, Last year's Washougal, I think he got fourth the first moto, and the first moto went down and maybe came back to, I don't know, somewhere in between fifth and tenth. So it wasn't like, you know, a crazy mm-hmm. big dip, 
between last year and, and like JT said, the second moto at, at Unadilla was like when Trey's championship completely changed. Um, JT, we were very worried about Kenny Roxon. We wrote about it. We talked about it. Uh, we talked a lot about Roxon and his uninspired Millville and uh, the way he's been going lately. He tested all week with his team. It looks like he's back on a spring fork uh, on his bike. 7-3, I think he, he crashed in that first moto, I think, or, or got a terrible start, one of the two, fell on the first lap or something. Um, are, are we still worried about Kenny Roxon, JT, or are we okay now? Was this better? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm just, you know, all the all the questions are answered, but he looked better. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he the was, uh, fastest qualifier because of his first practice, uh, so that was a step in the right direction. And then um, he looked a little bit more racy, uh, especially in that second moto. Um, he got out there and uh, seemed like he was more willing to get in the fight with yeah. those guys. Yeah, he, yeah, they did pull away, sure. About halfway. He lasted um, about halfway. It right, was right, right on there, yeah. But he was, he was there. You know, like, that's the first time he's really been relevant for the race win in a while. So mm-hmm. it seemed like he was uh, a little bit, um, I guess, encouraged by that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I read a couple comments from him where he said he was, you know, pretty motivated after that. Because I feel, I feel like it was a little bit of, just a glimmer of hope for him. So we'll see. You know, he's got another uh, another break now to make some improvements and, and probably test some more and prepare some more. So mm-hmm. I would say I'm definitely more uh, optimistic than I was uh, leaving Melville. So we'll put it that way. What about going back to a spring fork? Uh, I don't I don't know because I didn't, you know, I, I rode past the air fork. And I've, I've ridden bikes to the air fork, sure. But I don't know mm-hmm. how much of a difference that makes or I, I really don't think that that was the difference. I think it was just uh, probably, you know, some metal, maybe a little bit of air fork spring fork. But I think both of them, if you set them up right, they're both very competitive. I've seen guys win on both of them within the last, you know, Dungeons on a Dungeons on a spring fork. These guys are on air forks, Tomax on it. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't really think that's necessarily the difference. Right. Um. Okay. Hey, Jimmy. Uh, Filthy Phil. Uh, good race. Four six. Got good starts on the Yamaha again. Those things are ridiculous. He wants to. Uh, he wants to resign at JGR, but I don't think he wants to do the fill in thing again. Phil doesn't want to be a fill in. Uh, does he have something else to? Uh, to do should he do that same deal what do you what do you make on phil's supercross uh 2016 i i don't think i think that he should definitely be able to race a full season of supercross because even the supercross races that he did race he should qualify out of the heat race a couple times Mm -hmm. you know it's like you know you want to peg him as an outdoor rider but you give him like zero opportunity to really get ready for supercross racing uh bottom line is the guy gets good starts and he's a racer, so why can't he be a good supercross racer? You know, that's kind of how I mm-hmm. I feel about it. You know, it's if you get good starts like he does, race in, race out, then you're going to learn around the pace. I I really feel like JGR should just put their confidence in him. I actually called Phil before Supercross season was up and tried to offer him a deal on our team for next year for you know pretty one big kind of get a hold of him because I was thinking, you know, shit, JGR is not going to re-sign him. And that was kind of before his outdoor season when he's like, you know, podium motos right. and top five overall. Um, obviously now that's a little bit out of the question with him because, you know, shoot, he's, we've already signed Matt Gerke. And also, you know, with those results, I feel like they should at least keep him on. Maybe not, you know, maybe kind of do 
the whole thing where they kind of need him for testing and stuff, and they kind of can boss him around like that, but they at least should let him go to all the races. Right. Well, maybe you should pay for it then. Coy Gibbs will tell you to buck up, Jimmy, and you pay. Yeah, I know, right? Maybe, uh, I don't, you know, it's just stupid. Break off some wiener schnitzel money, Coy. Here's here's my whole whole theory behind it was the fact that it it necessarily probably doesn't make JGR or Yamaha look good when they're they're fill-in and they're, they're backup rider and they're slash test rider is beating their top guys, <laughs> you know? Like, because <laughs> right. they're going out there and they're spending the money to go. And now, obviously, that's not the issue with, you know, Weston's obviously been riding good and keep podiums and super cross rounds. So I don't think that was ever the issue. But Justin Barsha at one point, I mean, Phil was kind of putting it on them there for a couple of races. Yeah, and, no, we, 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 know, we, had, a, we had legit discussions on this show. JT, you can back me up. We had legit discussions about who was the fastest JGR rider a while ago. Yeah. Like I we mean, were, we were like, it, thing. is like, Phil the best? <laughs> when you're going to Yamaha and you're saying, we need X amount of budget for this rider, and they're dumping it out, and then they're looking at you like, well, what are you idiots doing? We're not paying any money for Phil Nicoletti, and he's getting the same result, you know? Right. But thank God for, for those guys that's changed, and now, you know, that. They're, they're putting their money into a race winner and a motor, you know, freaking the guy who can, who almost won three of the last four races if it wasn't for a little bit of a mishap. So, you know, it's, it's all good over there. That a, I think they should go, you know, to answer your question, I think that they need to get hooked Phil up and, and stay behind them. From talking to Phil a little bit, he's not, he's about a hundred and about a hundred grand all in right now, salary wise, gear and, team and everything so for a hundred grand all in and you're paying barsha i don't know barsha probably gets a what do you think jt he makes over a million dollars all in all said and done through everything yeah yeah probably over a million so here all in he's way over a million yeah so yeah. you got barsha all in, i would say somewhere around two million. now look barsha's better than <laughs> phil i'm not trying to say he's not but what i'm saying is you, you're paying a million dollars for justin barsha's finishes you're paying a hundred thousand for phil's <laughs> it's so, so stupid in a sport though and I mean I guess it's not stupid but it, it is worth that extra money for a guy who can win yeah I mean no, for, it is. for those guys it is for a manufacturer it is anyway they want to win and I, I say this all the time is you there's only a select amount of people you can pay and say hey, this guy's gonna win a race this year um you know and it's it's hard and it sucks and it shouldn't be that big of a jump, but it just is. And those are just facts. You know, you'd love to say all all day long that oh, it should be like this, but hey, it's not. You know. Yeah, yeah. I should have a money tree in my backyard, but I don't. Yeah. Right. I know. Um, They're hard to grow. Weege wrote an article, JT, about Jason Anderson on the site, and he said like it was like he the, was awesome. It was like the best six DNF in history of the sport, and he might be right. Um, Anderson uh, was on it, uh, JT. He was uh, fastest lap on his last lap in the first moto, and uh, the yep. guy was flying. Like Anderson's been so up and down the last month, where he's just blazing speed, but he's got some flats, and he's you know got a bike problem and crashes or whatever. But Anderson's fast. Like we we had a guy on a pulp show last night telling me that you know he loves Porcel and Porcel's outperforming Anderson, and I, I was like, I don't think so. I would still take Anderson. Over Kristoff, and this guy thought I was drunk, but I don't know. Anderson's been good, JT. Well, yeah, Anderson kind of got screwed because the second moto, I really think he 
probably would have gotten Roxon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in fourth and coming, yeah. and uh, he passed Pike and was kind of checking out on him and was going after Roxon. And the way Roxon's second half of the motos have been, I you know I felt he was going to get him. Uh, so yeah, I you know I don't know about the the Purcell Anderson thing. I could go either way. Maybe you know Anderson had some great performance in Supercross. So we can't overlook that. Uh, so I would probably give the nod to Anderson because of that. Um, but man, you're right. You know he I was watching him uh, in that first moto. He just kept coming and coming and coming, and then the second moto kind of got cut short. But he's uh, he's interesting because I think uh, with the right you know uh, off season, he could be a player next year. He's got to find some consistency, and he's got to find that that high level of intensity every single weekend. Uh, which I'm not really sure what to make of that because you'll see him some weekends, and he's he's a contender. You know, if he got mm-hmm. to start, he would be on the podium. But then other weekends he's like nine seven, you know, and you're kind of like scratching your head a little bit. So yeah, he's had a he's had two or three flats, and I wrote in my column last week that I'm surprised he doesn't run mooses. Like when I was a mechanic, yeah, I agree. when I was a mechanic, there was no option outdoors, like no option. The team, right. the team's telling uh, Chad Reed, Villeman, Tim Ferry, Nick Way, whoever I worked for, look, you're running mooses. Uh, you can run a tube in the front, but you got to run mooses because the, you know we're here to finish races. And but I yep. guess they gave the 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 choice to Anderson and he said, no, I'm good with tubes. And he's had two or three flats and like at red, Buddy got one. And then he came out and he was like the fastest guy on the track behind Roxon in the, in the first moto. And I'm surprised J- JT that, I mean, I think now he's at Moose's. Now they said, look, you, you now, now you have to run him, but I'm surprised that they even gave him a, ch- a chance, an option. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I know my, my last experience with Moose's was in 2012 when I was teammates with, uh, with Jimmy and, um, I really, really like the mooses outdoors. I could not tell a difference, and that's an honest comment. I could not tell a difference between the tube and a moose outdoors. So mm, yeah. I'm not sure if he's feeling a difference, but I couldn't right. feel it at all. So it's surprising that he continues to go down that road. What do you think, Jimmy? I don't, you know, on the moose thing, um, like JT was saying, that our mooses were so good with Pirelli. Um, I think the Dunlop's mooses, I have rode a Dunlop moose in a long time, but for a while, you know, and I'm a Dunlop rider right now, and those guys are great, but for a while there, Pirelli had the big upper hand on the moose um, on on um, on Dunlop. So, you know, maybe that's one of the things mm-hmm. where the Pirelli moose feels a little bit better. But, you know, I can remember when Trey was in that championship hunt in 2010, you know, four rounds to go, and they realized, hey, this is kind of a actual thing that might happen he might be able to win right they stuck him on mooses and um you know he didn't like it at first but it was one of those things where sorry if you don't like it you know we're not gonna you know lose a possible championship because you got a flat tire so yeah like on every team i've worked on literally every team i worked on the riders were told too bad too bad run the mooses we'll just we'll make your shock the way you want to make it feel you know I had to go back to that, um, to the Anderson thing too. Like you guys were talking about him or Purcell. I mean, I'm a firm Anderson believer over Purcell just because I've seen him at the practice track before and I've seen what he can do on a bike. His, the way he kind of crouches over the bike and rides with his legs and his, it reminds me a lot of Tomac, um, for some reason. And, and I feel like his ceiling's much higher than Kristoff's, um, as far mm-hmm. as, what he can do on a dirt bike and not the same that Christopher sells is not a massive talent because he is, but his style is just different. I feel like, um, you can, Jason Anderson can show so much aggression on a dirt bike and, and so can Eli Tomac. And I think Tomac kind of figured out a way to 
to carry that momentum and that smoothness and, and, and also put his aggression into it. And I feel like, one, Anderson can figure out how to do that. He's going to be one of the guys that can bring that speed that can challenge Tomac on a day when he's a minute a lap, you know, a minute right. quicker than everybody in the whole race. So I'm a firm believer in Anderson, and I'd put my if I'm a team manager, I'm putting my my money behind him. The only thing with Anderson, and this is probably nothing, Jimmy, and and you'll tell me to be quiet, but and he'll probably grow out of it. But man, did he make some bonehead moves in Supercross to other riders or to himself or whatever? Like I guess he'll grow yeah, out of that, does. you know. He, but he has a little bit of a he's got a little bit of a stubborn streak or kind of like a punk streak on him, but it's completely from what, I mean, and obviously I'm not everybody he talks to, but whenever I've talked to Jason Anderson, he's been super polite, super nice, you know, just kind of laid back, chilled out, but he speaks his mind, lets people know what what he's thinking. I'm fine with that. He will, that's part of it. He'll grow out of it, but I do know that, that before he started making his championship runs in the lights class, he was... Kind of a bit a bit lazy, not really wanting to get up and do stuff, and mm-hmm. he changed that. You know, he he figured out that he wanted to be a champion, and he did what it took to get there. And when somebody does that, it kind of shows you that they're willing to do whatever it takes to get to that next level. So if maturing by not doing stuff like that in Supercross, the next step he needs to make, he'll figure it out. Yeah, people. Years from now, people will look at. Um... Uh, Anderson's last few nationals and just be like, eh, whatever. But he's been fast. He's mm-hmm. been fast. Um, I mean, look at look at Cooper Webb. I mean, his he's just been. I mean, in my mind, completely ridiculous when it comes to attitude. Um, <laughs> acting like a complete, <laughs> acting like a complete adolescent, just jerk off. Oh come um, on, really? You're re- you're I, really. I'm, I'm gonna come out and say that. But at the end of the day, like the kid's got massive amounts of talent, drive. He's got that anger, that aggression that you need, and he will learn that that there's certain times when when he just kind of. I mean, it's okay to to get mad and frustrated, but the things he got frustrated over are things that shouldn't have bothered him. I get it if it's a situation that's complete bullshit, and mm-hmm. he needs to stick up for himself and be like, "Hey, you know, I'm not going to take any crap, and I'm pissed, and I'm going to let you know I'm pissed." and you better be scared of me. But when it's something that happened this weekend with him and Marvin, or even him and Kyle Peters, you know, I watched him completely bitch out Kyle Peters after the, after the first moto. It's like, dude, like, completely mm-hmm. just, just chill. It's okay, you know? <laughs> and people are like, oh, well, he apologized and all this stuff. He apologized because he won. It's, it's, easy, <laughs> to be a sore, it's easy to be a sore winner. It's right. hard to be a it's easy to be a now, you know a, that, a good winner. Hey, it's now, hard to be a good loser. Now that I won, I want to say a sorry to everybody and check out my fucking fat cash that I just got exactly, for winning. Exactly. <laughs> you know, if he would have been second place, it would have been a different story. So I mean, it's nothing that I don't think he'll grow out of. You know, and JT, he'll he'll learn. He'll look back yeah. and realize. But JT, you know, I was really uh, kind of disappointed in his attitude. JT, Jimmy just called him kind of a jerk off attitude. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't know what else to how else we to like. Say Coop, it. We like Cooper Webb on the podium. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. I, I honestly kind of agreed with some of the things he said. I don't know if that's maybe the right way to say it. Right. Um, but I, I did see Marvin moving over on him some, and I wasn't that thrilled with it because I've seen Marvin do it a couple other times to other people this year. So mm-hmm. I can understand his frustration, but maybe you know voicing it in a different way might be better. So I can agree with Jimmy on that, but I can also understand I, why he was pissed off. I guess I talked to another 250 guy, and I guess after the – in staging on the line for the second moto, Webb mm-hmm. was still yelling at Marvin. Still 
just still chirping them. So um, there was you know my whole my whole advice to that is if he's moving over on you, like friggin' just completely stick one on him. You know, right, right. Um, I I mean, there's definitely definitely will, (laughs) and that's fine. But you know, there's no need to talk about it or, or raise your voice about it or or. You know, call somebody. Uh, you know, he did. I mean, I, if you didn't see the press conference, Marvin was like, he called me the F word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor, poor Marvin. Like, yeah. All right. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I can understand being mad, but just, dude, wait till the next photo. Stick it on him if you feel that way. You know, that's that's how I think it should work, anyways. Yeah, Marvin told me after the race, he said some many bad things to me. <laughs> Poor Marvin. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Marvin. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. How do you cuss Marvin moves? It's so sweet. How could you be? Yeah, how I mean, you... Marvin, Marvin's such a good guy, but at the same time, I've seen him do some things where I know I would have lost my temper, too. Like, you can be as nice as you want, but if you do things like that, mm-hmm. I don't care how nice you are to me when you take your helmet off. The smiley, so. face, the smiley face assassin. And that's okay. You know, he doesn't have to be nice to, to, to Marvin by any means. They're competitors. I don't think that, I don't think that a guy who's battling a championship or even battling for wins I don't think by any means you you don't have to give him a high five. You don't have to freaking be buddy buddy with him. You know, mm-hmm. you stick to your own side. But there's no reason in going over there and saying anything because, I mean, unless it was really bad and you were going over there to, to say, "Hey, look, I'm going to give you a black eye right now." You know, <laughs> that's how you feel about it. But I mean, I think words at this point, like, dude, I just get so sick and tired of people going and slinging words around because it's like, dude, if you're really that mad, like. Get over there and, and physically yeah. huh? tell somebody how you feel. As or a, wait till the next moto and physically show them how you feel. I see both sides. Well, there, yeah. there are laws against that, Jimmy. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. This isn't, annoying. <laughs> this isn't NAM, Jimmy. This isn't NAM. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Still, I mean, you know, there's, a way to, there's ways to squeak around it. You know, yeah. I mean, we, saw, we saw Bowers <laughs> squeak around it. I like Bowers' approach on stuff. He just kind of kept his mouth shut, didn't say anything, and then... Boom! Yeah, you know how you, how you like me now, kind of thing. Right. Still, really never. No, I agree. I agree about it. Right. I do agree. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, say you're gonna do something, then damn, you know, right. better damn sure do it. Especially if you're gonna say it on national television. And and, and, and Webb's, and I, I like Webb. I think it was fine, Jim, Jimmy. I'm a little more siding with JT and I, or JT and I. I think you know that whatever. I get your point. But uh, but to Jimmy's point, Webb has done this a few times. And never really does anything right. and kind of says sorry and we, they move on. Um, yeah. So to Jimmy's point, you're right. We've heard this story from Cooper before, you know. But yeah, I agree with that. I do. If you're going to say it, you better damn sure do it. Right, brought, right. You know, a and million they, people or however many, 500,000 people that just saw you say it. So. I, do, I do like the emotion. I like the raw emotion and I like oh, all I think it's good. Yeah. I think it's good for TV and it's good for the sport, but I think it, at the other end of it, like, Right. You know, like I was kind of saying, like, I do like the Tyler Bowers approach that, you know, right. don't say much and you just show them, show them kind of what you're going to do. And, you know, not necessarily be anything brutal, but yeah, race some just, aggressive right, right. And, and, and just give them a taste of their own medicine. Kind okay. Of I want to move off this, this conversation and go <laughs> back to the 450 class. Uh, the 800 came back this weekend and I don't know if he's still hurt or not. He certainly had falls in both motos. But it wasn't good, JT. Now, Michael Essie has not had a good finish since Anaheim won when he finished ninth. He really hasn't. It's this, uh, he showed yeah, it's up been rough. Oh, it's not been good. Yeah, I, talk, I, had a, uh, I had a glass of wine with uh, Tony and Mike Genova Saturday night. What? Yep. I did. Breaking news. And uh, 
at our at the hotel restaurant. I was saying that. Hmm. And wow, you just dropped that bomb right there. I did. Yep. Boom. And t- Tony is. Tony was, you know, he was being very sincere, but he's not sure, you know, if if Mike can get back to to where he used to be. You know, mm-hmm. he said Mike's beat up, and every time Mike, you know, goes riding, every time he comes back from an injury, he doesn't feel like he can push to the same level. It just, you know, he has aches and pains, and yeah. doesn't feel like his body's just fully healed ever. And uh, Tony just didn't seem 100% certain that we were ever going to see the same Michael Essie that we used to. You know, he was kind of fishing to me for advice. And you know, my advice to him was just, if that's the case, if you can't get Mike to where he's at, he needs to take some serious time off the motorcycle. You know, two, three, four months of no riding whatsoever and let his bike get back to a neutral point to where he's he's Michael Essie and not some, yeah. you know, not 80% of Michael Essie because... Yeah, 2015 has Michael, been a, a shit show for yeah, Mike and right. everybody. Yeah. yeah. The Mike we see out there right now does nobody any good. No. You know, he's, he's getting, you know, Vince Freeze is pulling away from him. You know, that's that's not Michael Essie. You know, Michael Essie three years ago was winning motos at Washougal, not his stars struggling to stay inside the top 10, you know, mm-hmm. so... Um, whatever it takes to get back there, however much time he needs to take off or whatever, you know, yeah. he needs to get something fixed or whatever, that needs to happen because just sending him back out there in the state he's in accomplishes zero. Last night on the Pulp Show, Kiefer was saying that uh, he thinks um, they'll be on another brand next year. I mean, obviously they're on the MCR bikes right now. They're not on anything but an MCR 450, but mm-hmm. uh, they'll possibly ditch that antiquated sort of Suzuki frame-ish, so... Well, at some point, those bikes got to get worn out too, right? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're just recycling the same frames and engines yeah. over and over, so yeah, they got to yeah. do something. It's right. a, you know, finite finite programs are on there. Uh, Jimmy, how about Vince Freeze? Ten ten, pretty good. I mean, look, he, dude, he rode so good. I he did. He could have kept that that first couple, um, first five lap like pace going, like shit. Well, it's, been... it's tough when you haven't ridden. Like you know, he run Calgary a month ago, and then before that, he was at Glen Helen and Hangtown, but. It, Tough to expect yeah, no, he rode awesome. He rode good at um, he rode good at PIR the night before that, mm-hmm. or a couple nights before that too. Um, right. Just looked, I don't know, looked a little bit better on the bike than I'd ever seen him. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Vince Freeze was he was killing it. I mean, the thing about I mean, I don't mean to hop back on the Michael Esty thing. But, no, go um, ahead if you yeah if you got something. Yeah, it's kind of the same subject. Um, you know, that's got to be for them over there. It's just got to be like all oh my. I mean, I don't know how Tony Alessi's taking Vince Freeze you know, putting it on, on Mike all the time. And I know for sure a fact, I know this might sound bad, but when, when Mike came over here and didn't do to, do so hot, it kind of made me feel better because I'm thinking if Michael Essie comes over here and, and gets top five both motos after going over to the GPs and not busting the top 15, it's going to make us look even worse after this whole Villapoto debacle. And then for him to go up to Canada and, and do crappy too, like thinking, man, like, is our pace down or something in the in the series? But you know, it definitely there's definitely something going on, with Mike. He does not, you know, you know his confidence is beat down when you can't pull a start. I mean, yeah. he couldn't pull a start at PIR, right? Um, right. And it was a it was a concrete gate, and we all know Mike in amateurs is just you know pretty he had that mastered. So I just think he like JT was saying. I think that's the best advice: just get off the bike, get away from it for a while. Don't even go to the damn races. Just completely try to get your body back to neutral mm-hmm. um, and then rebuild, you know? Uh, I talked to Chisholm's mechanic who was at PIR. He said that uh, Tony and the crew, 
on the concrete gate were laying grip tape down. Contact cleaner and grip tape. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I, I mean, a, I, I, you could tell me anything. You could tell me they had a whole paving crew down there and they were putting new blacktop down, and I would believe you. Okay. I've seen it all. I saw a video. I saw a video of him do a start, and he lit it up like a top field dragster, so... <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> whatever they were doing didn't work. Well, I don't think <laughs> some. I don't think skateboard grip tape is going to help a sixty horsepower four fifty. I just don't no, think it's going to stick. Know, the, the funny thing about concrete starts is I watch people burn the shit out of their tires and they completely roast them. And every time I've done a concrete start, I mean, I spin my tire a little bit and I do ch- some turps on it, and then mm-hmm. like I go and I'm I've always been great on concrete, you know. And, right. I think people just get way too into the whole freaking burn the shit out of your tire, let it cool off, burn it again. It's like, dude, yep. just get your body positioning right and do it. JT. Well, a tire, oh. guy, a tire guy will tell you now that the, the tires are plastic. They're, they're a huge portion of the tire is plastic. They're not even really that, you know, a rubber anymore. So you're trying so to keep them up bad. Yeah. Yeah, to, to lay rubber down. It's not even rubber anymore. So right. you're kind of just destroying your tire for the moto you're not really helping yourself for the start um if it's yeah for sure i see that uh jt should we be worried about shorty yet what, what's our short concern level at um no i'm not i mean it's okay you know he'll be the first one to tell you especially this weekend i talked to him right before the motos and you know he's kind of like well this is like the worst possible scenario for me yeah i can't put my leg down because it's not strong enough and it's Icy and slippery, so I kind of need to put my leg down in the ice and mud everywhere. So <laughs> right, right. It was uh, not a good combo for him. Mm-hmm. I think he was just trying to get through it and get out of there without taking a step backwards. Yeah. Which he accomplished, you know, right. where the results weren't there, but he didn't hurt himself, and he didn't put himself in a spot where he's going to have to take days off. Right. So, like I said, he's in no danger of not having a deal mm-hmm. for next year. He's going to keep building. He'll have a full off season and get back up to speed. So I'm not worried at all. I think uh, as long as he just can stay healthy and go into the off season healthy, that's really all that matters. Yeah, I guess at this point it's a write off, right? So it's a write off. Like yeah, whatever. Yeah, he does, yeah. There's he does. no one. No yeah. one's like dependent on his results right now. Yeah. Right, right. Obviously, sponsors want results. That's what they're paying money for. But for him to just get back up to speed is really the goal at this point. Um, Jimmy, you're the injury that he had too. Is like that's a serious injury. People, it's not kneecaps are bad. You know. Well, yeah, and then he had uh, he had an infection too with his uh, with his stitches. He had a kind of bad deal going on with his stitches there too. So that set him back even further. Mm. So it hasn't been just uh, you know kneecap and then all good. It's, he's kind of been fighting that a little bit. Knee, kneecaps are bad, gay. Okay. okay, kids. Kneecaps are bad. <laughs> all right, next. Um, hey, uh, Jimmy, you're a team, you're a rider right now, uh, and your team owner crushing it. Crushing it, and you're. No, oh, I thought you meant my rider, Matt Gert. No, Matt yeah, he's crushing it. But no, you're 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 a rider and a team owner, and also apparently an announcer also. But here, look. Yeah, I do it all. Here's here's what the Freddie Noren dilemma. The Freddie Noren dilemma. He rode 250 Supercross this year. I think he made. No, he no. Rode I'm sorry. I'm Supercross. sorry. He rode two, four, 250 Supercross last year. He didn't make a main. Crashed out early in the season. This year he rides 450 Supercross. He makes. One main, and sweet Jesus about dies fourteen times every day, every every Saturday night. Okay, so Supercross is rough for Fast Freddie Norn, but outdoors. I mean, look whether he's on the Crossland bike or the factory Honda with a Crossland sticker or a full factory Honda with factory Honda stickers, he's 
legitimately fast outdoors. But what do you do with this guy as a team, as a manager, as a team owner? Like, what? How does Freddie Norn make a living? How does this happen? What? Nobody, you know, everyone values Supercross so much. So what do? You, what happens to Freddie? I mean, honestly, if he wants to get paid uh, the amount of money that he's looking to get paid for the results he gets outdoors, the only really way to look at that is if I'm his manager, manager. Steve Aldaco, by the way. Steve Aldaco, which, you know, I've never been so much a fan of either. No, come um, on. Aldaco's a real lawyer, at least. He's like an actual real lawyer. Yeah. No, he's all right. But anyways, um, <laughs> if I were him, I would be I would be looking at a he's uh, all right <laughs> and a ride overseas for some GP stuff because I mean shit he's from Sweden, so why not? I mean yeah, yeah you ma- want to do it over here, here in America, he's, but he's ma- he's married. He's got an American wife. He's plus Jimmy's going to go over there. I mean, like- I mean she's at she's at the races every single weekend with him. So I mean her job is his you know profession. So might as well make the most out of it. I mean, here's the thing. Freddie Norton is very lucky he did not get hurt in Supercross this year. <laughs> like, right. I don't know I don't know how God was looking over him. <laughs> like <laughs> he should have been in the ambulance so many times. There were some but, scary know, luckily, moments. There were some scary moments. There were moments. some so scary moments. <laughs> um and you know he got away from it and my whole thing is like you really want to go down that road next year again I mean, because honestly, watching him practice, it wasn't, I mean, yeah, he had some moments, but he looked really good leading up into the season. I'm thinking, oh, Freddie Norton is a much better 450 Supercross rider. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember watching him at some of the, like, milestone and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that's one of the things is, you know, you got to kind of weigh both those options. I mean, JT will tell you the difference between milestone Supercross track and practice you know, second practice or first practice when the track has been muddy and has ruts yeah. in it. And, like, it is just people under, don't understand the difference between a Supercross during practice, a West Coast Supercross during yeah, practice. Yeah, Jimmy, going to Europe is like going to jail. You I know? mean, I not so much. I mean, I mean what if he goes there? He's, those what if he goes there like you and he doesn't get paid because he, he gets injured and then they just tell him to beat it? Yeah, I mean, that's something, that's a risk you have to be willing to take, I <laughs> guess. Right. I mean, I don't know. There's, JT, what do you do? What do you do with JT with Freddie Norton? You're not going to get, you're not going to get an AMA motocross contract only. I'm just going to tell you that. JT, what do you do with Freddie Norton? Um, I think you either take way less money because you're basically an outdoor only guy. That's your value to any team. Or you go race in Europe and make probably like a couple hundred grand a year. Okay. All right. I think yeah. I don't really so think What do you, what do you think about the Europe idea then, JT? He just said no, it. I, I think it's the easy choice. I mean, he's from there. You know, this isn't like it's, uh, you know, some guy that's from, you know, Temecula. You know, he's very uh, familiar with the Europe Europe scene already. Uh, I think it would be an easy transition. It's what he's good at. And I, I think, uh, you know, there are a lot of teams in Europe that could really use somebody's talented as Freddie Norton. So it, it seems like a very easy decision to me, but I'm not the one that has to move to Europe. So take that for what it is. <laughs> I'm not the one exactly. that has to go to Lomo in January with gardening gloves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Riding it, riding a frozen Lomo. <laughs> um, and watching some guy in a sweatshirt and a hoodie blow by you. Or, or eating, eating half, cooked, uh, half cooked chicken sandwiches. <laughs> having to pass sidecar 
side side bike riders. Right, you got, with the monkey on the side. Yeah, the monkey's hanging off, and you have to go somehow find a some yeah. way around him. And I'm dead serious. That happens at Lear up in Lomel. Uh, all right. Hey, let's take a commercial break here on the Pulpamex, uh, Pulpamex, on the uh, BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show presented by Fox Racing. And we'll come back and, and talk 250s with uh, Albertson and uh, Thomas. Also, too, listen to this commercial from Racetech. Use the code Pulpamex2015 to save yourself 10% at Racetech. And Dirt Cheap Helmets, people. Check out uh, DirtCheapHelmets.com um, for more on information on that to, uh, to, guess what, to get Dirt Cheap Helmets. That's right. Use code RiderX at uh, DirtCheapHelmets.com. And we'll be right back here on the show. Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Racetech, people. Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with race tech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, eh, probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech, Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to PulpMX2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. DirtCheapHelmets.com is dedicated to protecting your head and your wallet. The site is hands down the coolest and easiest to use in the helmet world. DirtCheapHelmets.com is the one-stop shop to get helmets for you and everyone you love without breaking the bank. We have helmets for our grand opening starting at $40, and that includes free shipping. These are all new helmets that we get a great deal on and pass the savings on to the customer. This includes free shipping on all helmets and a no-hassle exchange policy. We have a wide range of brands including Fly, HJC, Shoei, G-Max, and more. Podcast customers can get 5% off these already smoking good deals by using promo code RIDERX. And we're back. BTOsports.com. RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Top Jimmy Albertson and uh, top Jason Thomas. That didn't quite work as well. But uh, all I liked right. it. So we talked. I liked it. Okay, we talked about the web Muscan thing, which I did want to touch on, um, but we touched on that earlier. Jimmy's very angry. Um, but um, not very, I know, I know. Like it no, it looks. I like it. I like the opinion. It's what makes the world go around. Too many people dance around this crap. So, um, Muscan JT did what he had to do. He had to make points up on on Jeremy, and uh, and he did to the tune of uh, fifteen points. It's seven points, I think, right now. The gap, or maybe it's, no, less. it's four. Oh, four. four. Okay, yeah, four yeah. points right now. So, uh, Muscan uh, did what he had to do, and uh, with a couple of nice rides. Uh, that was uh, about as well as I thought it could go for him. Uh, I thought he had to make up points, but I did not think it would be 15. I really didn't. Uh, so kudos to kudos to Marvin. Mm-hmm. He you know he stepped up when he had to because I think 
you know, I know I wrote about it. You probably wrote about it. And I know people are talking about it, that this was make or break this weekend. If, if he did not make up any points this weekend or God forbid lost points this weekend. Yeah. Uh, you can forget it. I mean, you can just pack it in for, for this championship. That was really how I felt about it. So, um, I mean, he did everything right. You know, he could have went one, one, which would have been ideal for him, but I'll be damned if he didn't cut this thing back down to almost a, you know, one moto type deal. So yeah. yeah. For, for the spectator side and for us writing about it and everyone interested in it, mm-hmm. you know, this, this championship just got real again. Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, with Cooper, with Cooper Webb back, it is a one moto race, you know? Yeah. Yeah, really. Um, Absolutely. It yep. is, you know, without Cooper Webb, yeah. I mean, there's obviously guys that came up like, like Osborne, who's showed promise in a moto or shoot, even Christian Craig sometimes is just like, he could have very easily won that first moto, but with yeah. Cooper Webb back and let I me, mean, let's face it, Cooper Webb, does not give a shit about Jeremy Martin, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, so, no. so I think that's going to be a good X factor for Marvin. Do you um, do you think uh, we talked about this a little bit uh, on I think a previous podcast, Jimmy? But I think if it's the last moto of the year and Jeremy needs help, I think they go to Cooper and say, "Look, you know, help us out if Jeremy's behind you, you know, on this very last moto of the year." Do you think, or do I you think, think it's? Yeah, I think I think that made that way easier on Cooper Webb or and Yamaha to make that decision after Cooper Webb got fired up this weekend about it because then Cooper's gonna be like, well, I don't want to see him win, you know, like it's gonna be a little bit more like, yeah. okay, I'm down for that. So I I, I think that that's for sure. Neither, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he's gonna help. Neither of you had any problems with Martin's pass on Webb this weekend, right? That was fine, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I thought it was unique. I mean, wh- what the hell was Webb doing there? It was maybe the worst block pass attempt <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, in those yeah. switchbacks. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. Martin really just sort of went. Whoop, thank you. I mean, yeah. did did Webb do that? On, did he let him by on purpose there? No, I don't yeah, think. I mean, so. Webb was I don't stuck know what in the, he was, he was stuck in one of the ruts, and it looked like he couldn't climb over the rut to to block him. You yeah. know, like. And, I mean, I would have been a person right away, like, to climb over the rut and block, I would have been a good move because it's low speed. No one's going to mm-hmm. get hurt or anything like that. But I just mm-hmm. think he could not. His He was a bit off balance, and he couldn't get over the rut to block him. And mm-hmm. it made it look really stupid. But, I mean, I've been in those situations before where you're just, like, you're stuck. You're kind of just in the rut. You can't do anything about it. So, mm-hmm. I think that's what that was. Uh, Jimmy, how fast was Plessinger in that first moto? He was good, <laughs> dude. He was, he was really good. good. He was, I mean, not like, not like Jason Anderson good, but close. <laughs> yeah, he's like ten seconds a lap faster than the dudes around him. You know, when yeah. he was in fifth and sixth and seventh place, and or he whatever. was falling and then coming back oh, through, and then yeah. I mean, without a fall, he was on the podium at yeah. first moto. I'm, I'm thinking, but um, you know, he still got the podium overall. Didn't change anything overall. Yeah, you know? yeah, tied with um, Christian Craig for third overall. So yeah, good, good ride for him. I mean. I think those sloppy kind of black dirt, slippery conditions kind of tailored towards him being from Ohio and mm-hmm. racing off-road. I'm sure he, he deals with traction issues like that a lot growing up riding in the woods, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, does uh, Does Christian Craig win that first moto if he doesn't fall? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Right? I, get, huh? I think so, too. No, he – you know how it is when it's muddy. You're either flowing or you're not. He was flowing. Yeah, he stayed yeah. up. He would have won that moto, no doubt. God, God is he a good uh, a good rider? Like like to watch on a motorcycle. 
but so he's technically sound. Ah, he's like he's Robbie Renard. He's to me watching Robbie in his prime, and I watched him. That's what I get from Christian Craig. I, I honestly, it's it's just like so good to watch. Just a taller dude, just perfect on a bike, and it's, yeah, it's cool to watch that. Solid for sure. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what he'll do with a solid like preseason Supercross. Um, mm-hmm getting dialed in for that, that Supercross series because, I mean, dude, I think that he's a good outdoor rider, but no one's seen really anything out of Supercross from him because he's gone in with wrist injuries. He's never really raced Supercross healthy, so no, no. we'll see how that goes, I guess. Uh, JT, Tonus came back. Arno Tonus gets a third, too, in the mud. He's back, the Swiss the Swiss warrior. Yeah, that was fast. I mean, he moved up to, to get a third, too. Yeah, so. yeah. <clears throat> Great ride from him. I guess his second one, he hurt his hand, maybe. Oh, did he? Somewhere. Okay. I yeah, didn't. something he was. Uh, something happened and hit his hand or did something. So, right. um, I think somebody may have taken him out or something. He, he said, "I'm trying to remember exactly oh, what I know, read." But you know, everybody went on with him. Everybody's pissed at the Swiss. Oh, uh, everyone gets pissed. Yeah, he's, you know, said take that. You know, be neutral about that. <laughs> exactly. You know, something along those lines. So. Um. Uh. But but no, it, for you know, sitting out for as long as you know, we haven't seen him. I don't think too much since Dallas, you know, came out firing in that first practice to Dallas and Supercross, and then it's kind of been pretty quiet from right. Jonas since then. Uh, but it was good to see, and, and we need, you know, we need more parity in that class, so it was cool. Justin Hill and Aldridge probably were cursing the rain and the mud. A couple of Pacific Northwest guys that I thought were going to just really turn it on and do well. And Hill was fast, though. Hill was fast. He just needed to get better starts and stay off the ground. But he was, he was legitimately riding well. You just, uh, you know, you can't you can't start 20th and then also crash on top of that. Right, right. Uh, Amart, bad first moto, really crashed early, then fight his way back. Good second moto for him, um, all things considered. And Marty Davalos came back, Albertson. Marty Davalos came back. Yeah, the, the, 450, the 250 version of Jimmy Albertson, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. So says, I, I, yeah. I, Maybe outdoors. <laughs> uh, 2017 for Marty. On it, so it's just going to get better from here, I would hope. Yeah, you know, it like the Trake and our thing is a tough race to come back from. You know, it's you, you, the worst thing possible when you're coming back out and you're going to race is like some sort of bad X factor like that, you know, skipping mm-hmm. track. And, you you know, as a rider, you're just watching the rain come down and make the track slippery, more slippery, more rutted out, and you're mm-hmm. just like on. Oh gosh! Why did I wait till Unadilla? Hey, you know? <laughs> FJT, F that dude that runs motocross fantasy, because Toshida Tomida was not available, and I had no idea. And then somehow I guess he was made available, so people. Made, and you would not have picked him either way, so it doesn't matter. I might have, I might have a Japanese, uh, a Japanese, uh, uh, you know, leading the points at, at Washougal in a mud race. Come on. So yeah, but nobody even actually went in there and done the research that he was leading the Japanese point championship. I know, I know he is, and he's on a factory you bike. You would have never picked him, dude. Japanese rider in the mud, they're good. They're yeah, good in the mud. He was better when it. He was better when it dried out, though. He did. He was. Yeah, he went twelfth in the second moto. So if, but if you want to look at that, like he was honestly like besides Narita, some certain races, he was the best Japanese person I've ever seen race against American class or. Or even no way, class. Yeah, Narita's. I mean, no, but Narita I second place at high point. I said besides Narita, I got because we've seen like 
Yeah, you can't say besides. <laughs> no, but like I had, I had a, there's a Japanese rider, Yu Haralta, I think, or Her, Harita, or something like that, came over and raced for our team when I was riding for Martin. And granted, he came over for Lomo, so it was like, what are you thinking kind of deal. <laughs> but he was so far off. And then, you know, to have this kid come over, I'm thinking, oh, man, you know, he'll make the main, or it'll be good, you know, if he can make the show. Mm-hmm. But he was awesome all day, like, so good. He's going to ride Unadilla as well, too. Yeah, and Utah. He's going to do three of them. And Utah. Yeah. So. All right. Um, we'll see. Stank Dog on a 125 at his home race. 24th, the first moto. 24-26. Uh, the AMA sheets have him on a 250F, which has to piss off all you whack job two-stroke fans. So they need to fix That'll that. That'll make vital. They need to, make, they need to fix that. So Stank Dog can get proper credit for his 24-26 finishes on a KTM 125. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to even say about that at this point. <laughs> uh, the, subject's, the subject's gone. I'm over it. All right. I was just throwing that bait out there. I was throwing that lure, casting that lure. Or, I, don't, I don't even know what to say anymore. Um, what else in the 250 class or 450 class, JT, caught your eye before we wrap this up? Anything we missed? Anything you want to touch on? You want to touch on the uh, terrific fly gear introduction into the muck of Washougal? No, I mean, I think we covered most of it. I'm trying, just trying to think if there was anything uh, else that was kind of... Uh, do we know if Zach Bell's retired? I saw on Instagram Zach Bell's on a Suzuki now. So What? Yep. Yeah, he's on a Suzuki. Someone sent that to me. So our, our terrific sport and the communication continues. So I don't know if Zach Bell's retired or what, but he's on a Suzuki. There's well, yeah, he wears the a gear, you know, he wears a gear company that I may have something to do with, and I have no idea either. So, <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. So maybe like they just they're like a magic trick. They're just like pretend these are not. This is not the Zach Bell you're looking for, and they just wave their yeah. hands. <laughs> How did Tickle do? Tickle, terrible. Yeah, terrible. Eighteenth place, sixteen twenty. Tossed his goggles, I heard in the first moto. Was he must have been oh, the really? yeah must have been the only guy who had goggle problems in that first moto because he was very angry mm-hmm. about it. So interesting, yeah. Uh, Wentland uh, had a decent day going until his bike broke in the second moto. So he's kind of been pretty good quietly. Yep. Uh, Kyle Cunningham had a terrible day. Hurt his wrist, then a bike broke. So bad day for Kyle Cunningham. Holdenberg uh, ba- was good. I thought. Yeah, Oldenburg was solid. Yeah, yeah, really good. He kind of kind of got past, you know, a little bit. Like he was in fifth at one point, looking strong, and kind of got shuffled back a bit, mm-hmm. but still solid day. Ah, oh, Jimmy Oldenburg, so good out there on the KTM, just looking <laughs> terrific, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I mean, my mind. If you want to, if you want me to shoot the truth at you, like this is his one good race that he's had the whole time he's been on KTM. No, I mean, good. In, in my personal mind, <laughs> Mitchell Oldenburg is a way better rider than he's been all season. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting that on the bike or anything else. I don't know what it might be on, but mm-hmm. for him to go out and be 12th to 17th every single weekend is pathetic because he's way better than that. Um, and that's, I mean, I'm still see Mitchell and talk to him every time about the race right. and see him. So, Tommy I mean, Week, no knock. Tommy Week race. It's a compliment, if anything. Right. Tommy Week, 18th, second moto. Um, he knows that track well. There's no doubt. Um, hey, um, 
Something I was going to ask you. Oh, Baggett had a good first moto. Baggett was good. Second moto fell in that first lap with a bunch of dudes. So did the best yep. he could to get 12th. But uh, yeah, Baggett certainly looked pretty good out there. Um, How about your buddy Tommy Hahn qualifying fourth, huh? Did he did he get fourth in qualifying? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah he did. Um, yeah. yeah, good job by him. Yeah, 15-14 on the day. He rides Washougal well, normally. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He fell a ton. Uh, I saw him in the airport. He said he fell nine times. Okay. Um, tell him I said hi. Uh, Josh yep, Grant, what do you think about Josh Grant's finishes? 11-8? I mean, that's kind of kind of where he was last week. He went like 10-10 or 9-10 last week, but kind of at the tail end of the factory guys, which is, you know, literally off the couch, so not not that bad, yeah. huh? you know? He's got the speed, like third and, he was third in qualifying. Yeah. You know, same, same type thing. He's just got yeah. to get himself back into race shape. Uh, I had a good point to make to both of you two guys, and now I forgot what it was. Damn it. Um... Oh, I know. Jimmy, um, who wins this 250 championship? Six motos left, four-point difference. Who wins? Gosh, so it's coming down the wire so much. I don't even know. Um, if I was – I'm going to say Jeremy Martin. I think Jeremy – His, his, his I think, speed at some point is just so good. You know, at, at points in the race, they're so good. Yeah. And points in the series, like, he's just – he's the faster of the two. So I'm going right. to pick him. What do you think, uh, JT? I think uh, I think I'm going to go with Martin as well because I think uh, you know I think they're both pretty good at Unadilla. You know, Martin won there last year. Mm-hmm. Marvin has won there before. Uh, going to Utah, I think that favors Martin. He was dominant there last year. I mean, he really kicked some ass there last year. So I think he'll win Utah, and then Indiana is pretty neutral. We don't really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, we've only been there once, and it was full on mud. So. I think it, it plays into Martin's favor. Uh, you know, he came out of this whole swing with a four-point advantage. I think it, it hurt him pretty bad to have a poor, you know, poor race last week. I think, you know, he had that one mistake where it could be, you know, it would be, I guess, uh, what, five, eight points more mm-hmm. if he had in a crash there. So he'd have a 12-point lead, which would be, you know, much more comfortable than four. Right. Uh, but I still, you know, even if it was zero, you know, zero just tied up right now, I, I think I'd still lean towards Martin at this point. Yeah. I, you know, I also, um, I also feel like if anything, the next three tracks or two are going to kind of favor Marvin, um, maybe a little bit more than Jeremy. I mean, not that, you know, I don't know, these last few rounds, Redbud and, and Millville, obviously Jeremy Martin, you're going to want to pick him all the way, but. Um, for the last three rounds, I mean, other than I think Utah is kind of a mutual ground, but I want to, I would think Indiana and Unadilla. I think Marvin's kind of consistently been better there. Don't you think Indiana? I mean, we saw it muddy last well, year. Well, Indiana but, was just a mud. But race. I'm saying Indiana tell, is Indiana is Red Bud Millville ish, and that's I would Martin's. Think he would give that one to Martin. Martin, that's Martin's. And I, Jeremy yeah. was really good at Utah last year. Yeah, he was. He, after he won the championship, he went out and was just kind of like. Mm-hmm. Road rushed everywhere. Very loose, you know. Right. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. With the, with the whole Indiana thing, I, there's something comes from just winning at her place before. I don't know what it is. You show up and you won there before. I think that just gives you a certain amount of confidence. Even if it was mud, you just kind of. Right. I don't know. I don't know what it is. You just kind of remember stuff like that. Uh, who wins the 450 title, uh, Jimmy? Does, does, does Dungey wrap this thing up, <laughs> do you think? Or how does that. I mean, you know, with Dungey. He's just so inconsistent. You never know when he's going to break bones and just going to be completely out of it. Mm-hmm. Bar, you know, unless his bike decides to break 
two motos and DNF, I doubt it. His bike breaks over and over and over again. You know, his, <laughs> Dungy does always seem to have a mechanical every year. One mechanical. How about his um, How he, about his pass on Purcell in the first moto? That was beautiful. Yeah, we cut we right right in the mechanics area onto the start straight. That yeah. was awesome. Oh, just comes in hot, sets him up, pivots, comes in underneath. Just yeah, see ya. Flipped his front end a little bit on the way out. I mm-hmm. liked it. Yeah, no, it was it was, an, it was a thing of beauty, no doubt. All right, guys, um, anything else? BTOSports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Top Jimmy, German mm-hmm. Supercross title winner. Anything else about the uh, Washugo? That's it. Nope. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up. Jimmy, thanks for taking the time for this. Appreciate it, man. Uh, yep. Always uh, always good to have you on. And, uh, and um, yeah, we'll see you guys. Enjoy your weekend off. I know I will. I will be very much <laughs> enjoying my weekend off. You guys, any plans? What's the plans? Uh, I am planning on not doing a damn thing. <laughs> you can quote me on that. Right. And Jimmy? I've got a, wed- I've got a wedding to get drunk at, so oh. it's going to be a pretty... Oh, I'm going to get drunk at my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're on a flight to Missouri, you can get drunk at the wedding. Oh, so you got to go to Missouri, Albertson, for a wedding? So you're traveling again? Like the yeah, whole- but it's it's only like a four-hour drive, and I get to go see my parents, too. So it's okay. all good. Yeah. I, will, I probably won't leave the house. I'll be honest. I don't think I leave the house all weekend. I probably leave the house, but only to find alcohol. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> they don't deliver anymore, do they? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you. See All ya. right. Later. This has been the BTO podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. Absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race... I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, like beating a dead horse you know and i know from personal experience did anybody ever sit me down of course they did everybody did 
Go Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. It's the day.